Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Uh, If you have your Bibles today, turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 14. What's up, Mount Carmel? Mark chapter 14. Every time we're up there, when when Pastor Chad gives the shout out for Mark or the Bible, they go crazy up there. I'm telling you, they are just crazy for Jesus and crazy for his word. They crave it. Amen. Amen. So the Bible says in Mark chapter 14, we're going to start there in the, uh, very, the third, or first verse. I'm going to start with the third verse or first verse today. In Mark chapter 14, it says, after two days, it was the Passover, the feast of unleavened bread, and the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might take him by trickery, talking about Jesus, that they're going to take him by trickery, and they're going to put him to death. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. That's interesting to me. They said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar of the people. Because there there would have been an uproar for doing it on a time that was sacred to God. Then it goes on to say in the third verse, it says, And being in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, talking about he, talking about Jesus, sitting at the table, reclining at Simon's house. Simon is a leper, someone that Jesus healed. How many knows that Jesus doesn't always leave the people that he heals? He doesn't always leave them. So there's discipleship. We see it. That has taken place right here. Discipleship's happening. He didn't just heal the sick, but he spent time with them. That's interesting. And the Bible says that there came a woman, and I don't want this to be gender specific today because I feel like God told me that this is all inclusive so men don't check out. It says there came a woman having an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spikenard. Anybody got any spikenard laying around? (laughs) Just asking. It's not olive oil. It's a little bit different. Yeah. All right. So it says there that she had some oil, and it was precious oil. It was from the Himalayan. It was was an extravagant oil. It wasn't just something that just was worked up, but it was something great. It says, then she broke the flask and poured it, on Jesus' head. Now, we know in Mark, it says she poured it on his head. But in John, it says that she poured it on his feet and she wiped her hair with his feet. With her, wiped his feet with her hair. And also in Matthew, gives a different uh, text or different analogy as well. But for time's sake, we're just going to go into Mark chapter 14. Mark 14, we'll stay with that. The Bible says that, but there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil Wasted. How many knows that there are going to be some that are going to look at something like this and think that is not worth anything? There's going to be some. And how many knows that when you want more of God in your life, sometimes it's the people in your inner circle that may be your biggest critics? Amen. All right. Just check. And the Bible says, and why was the fragrant oil wasted? For it may have been sold. For more than a hundred denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. I think that word criticize is interesting because as I was studying this out, criticize, it's almost like 
a horse, they used the analogy or illustration of a horse that is snorting. I know that's kind of weird, but that's what the analogy was in the original translation. It was used, in a usage, it was a definition. It, it was like this horse that was angry, and it was, it was actually snorting. So if you have horses, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't, then you're like me. You have no idea. So anyways, it says, but Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a good work for me. Who does she do a good work for? Jesus. What kind of work does she do? Good. For you have the poor with you always, and whenever you wish, you may do them good. Everybody say good. But me, you do not have always. She has done what she could. She has come beforehand to anoint my body for burial. Assuredly, I say as the gospel to you, wherever the gospel is preached, in the whole world. How much the world? Where should the gospel be preached? In the whole world. That this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Now, I don't know about you, but there's something significant that's happening here. I'm not a rocket scientist, but I'm figuring out that there's something significant about what this woman did. Jesus is saying that she'd done something, and because of what she did that was good, was actually recorded, and every time the gospel's preached, we preach as a memorial to her. And when her name is mentioned, there's something great. I believe that she had an extravagant devotion. She didn't have a surface devotion. She didn't have a check the box, I went to church devotion. She didn't have a one week devotion or a, a day devotion. She didn't look at her version Bible app and decide that's enough for one day. This woman had something that was extravagant. And I want to know what that extravagant was, what she had. So the title of my message today is Making More Sense of the More. Making more sense of the more. How many knows that sometimes things just don't make sense? You ever had a situation in your life that did not make sense? Well, I've been trying to figure out God because I want more of God in my life. And I've been seeking more. Have you ever been in your life where you feel like you're buffering between two levels? Like there's a level here, you see it, you feel it, you're experiencing it, you know it's there, but you're just life is buffering. How many's ever looked at your screen? When you're trying to link up to Wi-Fi and it just buffers. You're trying to watch your favorite movie, binge watching, whatever you're doing, and you realize that it's just buffering. That's fun, isn't it? It's exciting. I know. But that's what happened. In my life, that's what's happening. I, I know there's another level, and I'm asking God, God, I want more. I want more in my finances. I want more in my marriage. I want more in my, to help my children. I want more to be able to steward your heart for the kingdom. So have you ever asked the question, well, what does it more mean? You may see all this stuff. I see people, all these people raising their hands and doing all these things and worshiping God in different ways. And maybe they have more than I have. You ever asked yourself that question? Maybe I'm less spiritual than that person because I don't do that. Well, let me tell you something. Don't measure your more based on somebody else's more. Many times that's where we go wrong is we begin to measure our more based on what somebody else's more is. And we don't know what that more costs them We don't know what that more was. We don't know what happened before that time. We don't know what they went through before they got that more. Be careful. Be careful when you say that I want the more that's on their life. No, God says I want to give you more for your life. It'll make sense. The more will make sense. So I believe there's three ways that this woman 
made more sense of the more in my life. These are not the only three ways, but these are three ways. They all begin with P. I just made it easy for you. The first one is, is she had a pursuit. The second one is she had principle. And the third one is that she had perspective. She had perspective. She had pursuit. She had principle. And she had perspective. The first part of that says that, that she came to this place where Jesus was. That tells me that there was, there was something that she was after. She was going after something. She was in pursuit of something. The word pursuit actually means to engage in activity for a purpose. How many knows that just because I have a gym membership doesn't mean that I'm going to get the results? It means that I actually have to engage into that activity in order to get those results. If I want to be a better husband, then I can't expect to get something off of Google to tell me how to be a better husband. Right? Although there might be some good stuff on there. How many goes to Google for everything? I don't know. Maybe not. And the Bible says she came. But here's what I know, that many times in our life, we pursue, here's our pursuit. We pursue what God, what, what God, we pursue what God can do for us rather than who God is. You got to get the what and the who turned around. You got to know that the who comes before the what. You seek him first and his righteousness and everything else is added. Him first. First priority. First priority. So he says there that in 1 Thessalonians it says that see that no one renders or causes evil for evil to anyone but always pursue what is good. How much should we pursue? Always. We should always pursue what is good. Good. All right? The woman did something good. So pursue what is good. Well, what is good? It says in 1 Timothy 6, 11, it says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue. You want to know what it is to have more of God? You need these things in your life right here. Here's some qualities. Listen, if you want more in your God in your life, if I want more of God in my life, you better be ready for your qualities, character, and your nature to change. If your quality, nature, and character doesn't change, then you need to check where your more is coming from. More of God is going to alter you. He's going to change you. He's not looking to change your emotions and your feelings. Because how many knows that we get on this feeling thing or emotion thing and we want God to give us more in our emotions. No, God is not after the emotions. He's after your heart. God will change your emotions when he changes your heart. He changes the inside and then the outside will come. So it says there that pursue righteousness that's one that we can pursue, right standing with God in the right, the sight of God, that we are right in his ways, his character, nature, his qualities, godliness. How many wants more godliness in your life? Pursue it. It's there. Pursue it. Faith. How many needs more faith in your life? How many knows that sometimes your heart makes sense or maybe your faith makes sense, but your heart doesn't make sense? Sometimes there's something going on in there. Sometimes it, my faith is right, but maybe my heart's not right. And God says there, there's righteousness, there's faith, there's love, there's patience. How many needs patience and gentleness in your life? If you don't need patience, patience and gentleness in your life, then pray for me because I do. <laughs> I need patience and gentleness in my life. 
It's almost like an aggressive behavior that we are aggressively chasing, just like a hunter pursuing his prey. That we are pursuing God like a hunter is pursuing his prey. Are you pursuing God as someone that is pursuing your prey? That you could get a hold of that. you got to get a hold of that. And then the Bible says there in um, 1 John 3 and 3, just giving you some foundations, some scriptures about pursuit and what it means to pursue God. Remember I said that so many times we want to know what God can do for us rather than pursuing who he is in our life. When we pursue who he is in our life, he will begin to tell us how he wants us to be. So I've been asking God, I want more in, of you in my life. And God says, if you want more of me in your life, there's some things that you have to change. One thing that God spoke to me is pride, that I have a pride issue. I said, no, God, that guy does. That person does. How many knows the closer you get to God, the reason that most people don't pursue God is we get close to him and then he begins to reveal their heart. When God begins to reveal your heart, he's not doing it in a place of discipline necessarily, but a place of love because he wants to bring you out of bondage, of pride, arrogance, anger, and all these things. Anger is one of the things I had struggled with for years. But the more that I pursue God, the more that I give my heart to him, the more he exposes how I need to change. But you can't get it. Unless you say you want more of God. When you want more of God, you better be ready to change. It's fun, right? Yeah. Change. First John 3, 3, he says, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. That's one attribute of God that he says, If you want me and want more of me, you got to be more pure. Why? Because Jesus is pure. It's hard for us to be impure but to serve a pure God. If we, want to be, if we want to be pure, we have to know, if we want to serve a pure God, then we have to know that we have to be pure ourselves. So he says there in 1 John that he says he is pure. Jesus is pure. Matthew 5 and 8, it says, what bliss or what happiness, this is in the passing translation, happiness you experience when your heart is pure. In other words, it's one of the beatitudes that Jesus talked about. He said that blessed are the Blessed are they that are pure in heart, for they shall see God. You will see God. Does that mean God's going to show up and I'm going to see him as he, as he is? Maybe. But I can assure you that you will see him in a different realm. You will see him in inwardly, and he will expose to you inwardly. He will show you what is going on in your life, what's going on in your heart. And he says that you will see God, for then your eyes will be open. When will your eyes be open? Your eyes will be open and you'll see God when you're pure in heart. That's what he says. When you're pure in heart, your eyes will be open, your spiritual eyes. It's like I'm blind, but now my spiritual eyes come open. I'm, I can see better now. I can see this revelation. I can see how that I need to, to manage my time better. I can see how I need to treat my wife. I can treat, see how I need to manage my finances. But we can't see that whenever we don't have pure hearts. That's what he's saying there. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. More and more of God. But the pureness of my heart determines how much I see God. Wrote that down. The pureness of your heart determines how much you will see God. You will see God determined on the pureness of your heart. The pureness of your heart. Number two, the woman broke and then she poured. I think it's interesting because this is a prophetic picture of what Jesus did for us on the cross. 
Jesus came to the earth. The Bible says he humbled himself. Break. He came obedient to death and poured out his life on the cross. He poured it. How many knows that before something can be poured, it has to be broken? You can't pour out of a jar that's full unless you're willing to break it. I don't know about you, but maybe, maybe you're not interested in this, but there's times where I ask God and say, God, instead of God breaking me, I break myself before him. When Jesus becomes your greatest need, that's when you know that you are going low and he is coming high. You break yourself. That's what the woman did. She had this thing, this vase, this veil, and, and this, this vial, and she broke it, and then she poured it. In the midst of opposition, in the midst of adversity, in the midst of when everybody else said, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're nuts going after God. You're crazy going down that rose church. And people down there, they're baptizing people three and four or five times. Listen. <laughs> Yes, we are. Because we want to be pure. We want to do the things of the kingdom. That's why. But she broke it and she poured it. Even when people were grieved and much angry. And it wasn't everybody. It was just, oh, um, yes. Yeah. It was just one of the disciples. Judas. Because we know Judas, he, all he wanted to do is put the money in his back pocket. That's all he wanted to do, but he wanted to criticize. She was criticized. You're going to be criticized whenever more begins to make sense in your life. You'll be criticized for more of God in your life. You might lose your job. You might, I don't know what else. You might lose relationships. Listen, you're, and God began to speak to me about this. He said, Chris, he said, the cost to not follow me for you, Chris, to not follow me is as great as the cost to follow me. Because if I'm not following him, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So therefore, my, my nature, my abilities, and my behaviors and my habits is all there in that. Right? So the cost to follow him, to not follow Jesus, is as great. To follow him is great. But to not follow him is great as well. I'm not going to say greater, but... It is as great to not follow Jesus. One of our core values here at the Rose Church is we go low and we grow. We stay humble and we stay teachable. We stay teachable. When we talk about what she did, this principle, this, uh, the woman understood the principle. She under knew the, understood the truth. Let me give you an example here. Let's say that the law says that you can only drive 55 on this road out here. Let's just say that's what it says. That's what it says. Amen. Everybody in agreement. Yeah. But as long as I only know the truth, but I never, but I'm not influenced by the truth. I know the law, but the law's not influencing me. So I'm doing what I want to do. I'm driving 65 instead of 55. I know the truth. I know the belief. I know what the law says, and there is consequences. But I choose to be influenced by something different. Same analogy. Same thing. It, it talks about, or the, the point is, is principle. 
She understood the principle. The principle was something that influenced her. What influenced her? What was her posture? What was her position? Her position was is to humble herself before God. She broke it and she poured it. We need to be broken before God. We need to be broken before we can pull out, pour out. God wants to pour out of each one of us, but we have to become broken. We have to become broken of pride. We have to become broken of arrogance, anger, all these things that, that captivate us and, and keep us held hostage. God wants to bring us out of these things. Amen, Chris. I'm talking to myself. Jesus. So the principle is something that governs your behavior, also has an influence on that behavior. So she was broke, and she began to pour. Number three, the last principle there, the last thing that I think the woman did was perspective. She had a different perspective than her current surroundings. Sometimes you have to have a different perspective than your current surroundings. Your coworkers may not think what you're doing is that's all nonsense. You don't have to read your Bible once a week. All you got to do is go to church. The days of just coming to church, hearing a sermon, it's over. It's over. Let's get into the presence of God and let's see what he really wants to do. You're talking about a woman here. She didn't have a platform. She didn't have a program. She didn't have a PowerPoint. She never published a book. She never had a microphone. But what she had is she had some oil and she had a belief in someone that could bring value and work to her life. She came and she broke it and she poured it. But her name is remembered. Somebody's doing something right. That's the gospel message. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. The last one is perspective. Everybody else said, you're wasting it. You're destroying it. You're, it's destruction. They criticized her. They were moved with anguish, and they were angry at what she was doing there sternly. So what do we have to do in this moment when, when we're in the midst of adversity and we're asking God when more will make sense in our life? What do we do? We ask God. We, we fix our minds, our thoughts. We're not fixing our emotions. We're not fixing our feelings. Many times we want to fix our feelings and attach our feelings to God. God is saying, I want you to fix your thoughts on things above and not on things of the earth. She had opportunity that she could have listened to what those folks were saying. I don't see in the Bible where it says that she ever replied and said that she was sorry for what she did. Don't ever apologize for the more of God on your life. Never apologize. Never apologize. First, or Colossians 3, 1 and 2, it says, if, you, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are where? Where are those things at that are with Christ? Above. It says, seek those things that are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So if Christ is sitting at the right hand of God... And I want Christ more in my life, and it, I want it to make more sense. Then where do I need to set my mind? I need to set my mind where He is. 
When I set my mind, I'm setting myself. Nothing else is moving me. I'm not moved by all these other things. But I'm setting my focus. I'm setting my mind on things above. Someone, I love to run and I love to do, I used to love to do races and I don't do any races anymore, but it's called age sometimes. But uh, I used to love to run and, and I still like to run, but I used to run a lot of races. And I never, I, I can't remember times whenever I just thought about all the surroundings. I only had one goal in mind. And that, that was one, get across the finish line. And two, do the best that I possibly could. I never worried about what was happening around me and all the fans and all the people and all this thing, all this hoopla and everything that's going on. But I had one goal in mind. And I set my mind to that one thing. When I'm training, I set my mind to that one thing. We're in a training season. God is training up warriors. He's training up his army. And we're in this training season. And he's saying today that I want you to fix your thoughts and set your mind on things above. Not on things of the earth. Not on these perishable things. Because we have an incorruptible God and an incorruptible Jesus that we can set our mind and our affections upon. How many knows that's easy? We're training. God's training us. He's equipping us. Setting your mind means to have understanding. That's what the word means. It means to have understanding. That when I set my mind on things above, I'm setting my mind to understand Jesus better in my life. I'm understanding him so he can change me, my qualities, my character, my attitude. He can change my life in accordance with his will. If God wants to use me, then I want him to use me in the way that he has changed me. I want to be a vessel for God. You want to be a vessel for God. We want to be vessels for God. But we have to be willing to set our minds on things above. Fix our thoughts on Jesus. Hebrews 3.11, 3.1, it says, fix your thoughts. When you do concrete, anybody ever done concrete work? Once that concrete sets up, it's done. You have to do what with it? If you need to break it up or get rid of it, you need to break it up. If you don't like it, you're done. You fix your thoughts. Same way, I had this analogy that you fix your thoughts. The more that God is, more that you get of God, you fix your thoughts. You get grounded. You get in that foundational truth of who he is in his word. His word is living and active, and it will help us fix our thoughts. How do we know the thoughts and the affections of God? We know it because of his word. I don't, doesn't matter what Facebook's saying, doesn't matter what the news is saying, that's not where I'm fixing my thoughts. It didn't say fix my thoughts on Fox News. It didn't say fix my thoughts on the news channel or on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever, Snapchat, whatever's happened. It said, fix your thoughts on things above. That's where righteousness is. That's where faith is. That's where love is. That's where patience and gentleness, that's where that all is. It's on things above. 1 Corinthians 2, 16, it says that who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Who has the mind of Christ? We do. we do. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Don't forget when you walk out these doors that you have the mind of Christ. Don't forget that whenever someone cuts you off in traffic, when you get to this intersection, you have the mind of Christ. 
You're not thinking on things in front of you. You're thinking on things above. Right? You're going to wave with all your fingers this time. It's reality. It happens, I heard. So how do we apply this thing? How do we, how do we make more sense of the more of God in our life? I, we pursue him. We have a pursuit for his attributes and his character. Not a pursuit for God to give me to do just something in my life, but a pursuit for who he is so I can learn his ways. So I can learn how to love the unlovable. There's people in your life and my life that are just hard to love sometimes, right? Maybe I'm just talking to myself, but I'm going to... We need the pursuit of God in our life so he can change our character and our outlook on how to love the unlovable. How to love those people that persecute us. How how to love those people that are unkind, that say unkind things. So many times we get in the pursuit of conflict with the enemy that we forget about the comfort of Jesus. He brings that comfort to our life to help us to be able to respond to situations in our life. We have the pursuit of God. That's going to change our character, quality, and our nature. We have the principle of God. That's, we're bringing our principle. That means that we must be, be willing to pay the cost becoming less so that God become, become more. John said, I must decrease so that Jesus could increase. You want to know what that means to me? May mean different to you. That means that the more I increase in God, the more the, the other things begin to suppress in my life. And eventually they, they're gone. How many times have we tried to stop doing something, but we need to start doing something? You'll run yourself ragged trying to stop doing something versus to start doing something when you start doing something that's whenever you don't have to think about what you need to stop anymore because you're like next thing you know it's gone you know what I wasn't angry in that situation any longer I was angry I, you know what they said that to me and I didn't respond back on on social media I didn't I didn't I didn't do this I didn't do that I didn't that co-worker you know man they, they said this and and a few weeks ago if they had said that I'd been ready to throw down it had been on. Something's happened in my life. Something's changing. That's what happens whenever we have a different perspective, get the principle, and then the perspective is that sometimes we have to be willing to look foolish in the midst of opposition. That's what this woman did. She looked foolish in the midst of opposition. But we'll look more foolish in the midst of opposition, if we don't know how to handle the opposition. If we don't know how to handle the adversity, we'll look more foolish. Me. I don't always handle situations right. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.